Gaming NBS episode 96, character questions? Welcome to Gaming NBS, a podcast about tabletop RPGs and miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome, folks. Welcome back. Yeah. All right. Announcements. Yeah, let's get right into it. Um, we're starting off with some uh, sad news. Uh, the Wright publishing owner, Stephen Russell, has died. Um, this was floating around the interwebs a while back, and World posted it. I've got a link in the show notes in case you don't know or haven't seen it. But um, it uh, unexpected car accident. Not um, sucks. Just kind of sucks. I mean, it's. Uh, Get good people in the industry, by all accounts, very nice gentlemen. So uh, from Sean and I out to his family and his fans, uh, rest in peace, Steve, and uh, hope everybody finds closure on that one because those sudden sudden events like that are no good. Yeah, you know, somebody mentioned on Facebook about um, Facebook or Google Plus where it was, you know, somebody that didn't know him, I didn't know him personally, hadn't met Steve but they're like, you know, whenever somebody passes away in the RPG industry, it's just kind of a weird connection, like almost like a family or a distant family member passes away, which is because we're such a tight niche group, I think. But, no, we are. I mean, you. it's, I guess it's even, we, we've said this before, or at least I know I have, your alpha gamers, the folks, I'll, I'll just say like us, listening to podcasts, buying the How to GM Better and, and Darn Your Socks at the Same Time books, How to Do This, and buying all these different books where we go to the conventions and the people that are into that stuff. And um, we know of Steven's work, right? I know Russell's work. I know I know what he's done, you know, with the right publishing stuff, but I don't have his stuff. I haven't, you know, I never met the man, but you feel, you definitely feel close. It's It's weird because, you know, when, a musician can die. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Prince died. Oh, David Bowie died. Ah, oh, that's terrible. Oh, you know, um, let me kill Mister died from Motorhead. Ah, that sucked. You know, kind of bummed out. But there's something about this hobby and uh, the tight knit, tight knit component of it that when it happens, uh, it really blows. So, yeah, sucks. Yeah. Continuing on though. Yes, moving on, lightening it up a little bit. Looks like I'm going to be out heading out to Queen City Conquest this September. <clears throat> Mr. Chris Nizak has uh, graciously offered to assist me with housing. Wow! And uh, yeah, so it'll be kind of cool. I've never, I've never been to New York, so I've never been to Buffalo, never been to New York State at all. So this will be my first time out in a big state. It'll be kind of fun. I've been East Coast uh, a couple times, but I've never been to New York, so this will be interesting. Got a secure plane ticket, and uh, I think my wife is looking for an excuse to get rid of me for a few days, so I think that may have been the uh, reason I get the blessing to go. Sean, you going to join me? Oh, I had to ask. <laughs> I would. I would love nothing more. Um, I, who knows? I. I mean, I doubt it, but you never know. You okay. never know. You never know. I'll save. I'll, I'll bring a double wide sleeping bag in case you do make it. That's fair. That's fair. it. Gets cold in Buffalo. It freaking does. But uh, <laughs> totally it's does. in September. It's not like. Well, you never know. Well, that's true. Anyway, 
Um, Queen City Conquest, the guys that misdirected Mark will be there. I'll be there. Um, I believe we're going to have uh, folks from Knights of the Night will be there. Tom will be there, I know. And um, at least half of She's a Super Geek will also be there, Emily. And I think Senda might be there as well. I don't know about Senda for sure, but I'm hoping Emily's there. So does that so mean that'll be kind of cool? Does that mean you go and are you going to run something or are you going to just play? I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do. I have no idea. That's, usually my first usually my first trip to a con, I just kind of wing it. Yeah, I was going to totally say, fine by me. that's Brett's code for, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to show I might, up. I might just show up, roam around, and talk to people. I love doing it. I've talked about that before on this show. I love doing it. Yeah. Hanging out at a con and running into people and just talking about stuff. It's a blast. I you have a lot of fun doing that. You, haven't, you didn't play or run at Gary Con, right? No, I wasn't even sure it was going to go until yeah. like the last second, and I just kind of showed up and- Oh, Went around, right. bought stuff, talked to listeners of the show and other people that I'd met before, and I had a blast. It was a ton of fun just hanging out with people, talking game theory and shit. It was a good time. Yeah. And next up, we do have uh, Evercon, my little game convention up in my hometown of Wausau, Wisconsin, evercon.org. Link in the show notes. Uh, we're getting a list of special guests together. I alluded to this before. I think we're going to have at least a couple good ones this year, so it be, should be kind of cool. As I said, I don't have the... Uh, uh, as promiscuous of a wallet as Alex Cameron and the boys at Gamehole do, but I think we might be able to pull in on one or two, so that should be kind of fun. And uh, we've hooked up with JT, the guys from uh, Tabletop Events, um, also uh, the same group who does GameCrafter out of Madison, Wisconsin. And by God, if you want to run a gaming convention, you um, get <laughs> Tabletop Events. Look them up. Uh, take a look at their stuff. I can put a link out in the show notes. It's a goddamn good system. It's really good. Those guys will be helping us manage things in the back end. That'll be fun. And then the last one we have is episode 100 trivia contest uh, is still going on. You have, as of when this drops, you will have four, three more episodes, three more weeks. Correct. To submit your information um, and answers to some of our questions. Uh, you can go to gamingnbs.com forward slash trivia 100. And this trivia, the one zero zero trivia one zero zero, and that'll take you to the form to answer those questions. Um, we're gonna get something from Jason Blaylock, who's a contributor to the show uh, as a patron, and he just put out his first uh, supplement OSR supplement that we're going to get and give to one of our one of the lucky winners. A um, few other things we've got. Yeah, we got a grayed out dice bag. We got some funky dice to throw in there. John Marr from Purple Sorcerer Games is throwing yep. in a few things, PDFs. I, yep, I think uh, Forrester Gary is going to give me a copy or two of his novel. Um, oh, very nice. To have as well. I think I've got to hook up with Forrest yet and see what we got to do to get that done. But Forrest has uh, he and I have been talking offline around that, so that should be kind of cool. So it's uh, it should be fun. It's uh, it's a chance for us to we've got we've gotten some goodies. We've had people offering to give us stuff to give away. And uh, by God, the 100th episode is as good a reason as any. That's right. Uh, are we going to give any of Corey's stuff away? You know, actually, the stuff that Corey Wynn gave us, what I want to do, Sean, and I'll talk about to you right now on the show. Um, at Evercon, we're going to be doing a charity silent auction. Ah. And some of the goodies that he gave us, apart from the ones that he had uh, earmarked get, going directly to the game club, which I've given to the game club, there are um, there were a couple things I thought you know what these could help us raise a couple a uh, couple coins out there kind of uh, Corey Wynn via gaming and BS uh, provided items so I'm thinking of doing that I, I see think I might do that okay we'll see what happens I see all right that's it for announcements let's get to random encounter yes sir random encounter 
segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media and the website. Um, we've got a few longer ones this week, and uh, it's good. Uh, keep them coming. You want to start out, Brett? No. All right. Can. All right. I'll start. <laughs> uh, first one. Hi, Sean and Brett. This is from uh, James Carruthers from Vancouver, BC, the British of Columbia. One of our Canadian brothers. Excellent. Yes. I was just listening to your Random Encounters episode this past weekend, and a couple angles on the topic occurred to me as I was listening. I was hoping you'd get to them in your conversation, but they didn't seem to come up, so I thought I'd bounce these two thoughts off you and see what you think. First, in the sort of new way of doing Random Encounters, which I'm finding as I DM some of the big 5e adventures, that is the custom adventure-specific thematic random table. For example. A couple of encounters I rolled on the random encounter table in Princes of the Apocalypse produced interesting thematic encounters that tied to PC backstory or built on PC choices and actions from prior game sessions. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty damn cool. I mean, that's like ready-made random plot device to throw in and keep the story moving. That's cool. Sure. One was the animated armor that silently follows you around and stands watch over you for a few days. I just immediately stated that it was the armor of one of the guys from the Lost Soldiering Company in the fighter's background. A creepy but helpful tie-in. Another good one was a pair of Araka Kakra. Araka Kakra? Waka Waka? Arakokra. Flying. Yeah, flying overhead in a storm. So what, right? Well, the bad weather was due to the elemental apocalyptic activity, so I just made it happen that the, he would have to put that in there more than once, (laughs) Aarakocra needed to land due to the bad weather. Just over that hill, over there. Naturally, the PCs went to investigate and found them taking shelter in a shallow outcropping of rock on the hillside. I just role-played it. Uh, that w- they were from the same clan that the PCs helped early on in the adventure to rid their canyon of a pair of troublesome manacores. Now the PCs had the chance to ask them to return the favor and help them rescue the prisoners in the Sacred Stone Monastery. Two examples of great and truly random encounters that we rolled with to add depth Interaction and new options to our game provided by the Random Encounter Table and the Princes of the Apocalypse Adventure Book. I mean, I suppose we should have probably said, like, spoilers in case people are running through this thing, right? I don't care. You're uh, the only guy who runs event modules anyway. No, I'm kidding. That's, we, we, probably, we probably should have said spoilers. Apparently, but. I am not the only one. It's me <laughs> but actually, and James. James. Calling that, I, James having these specific examples, though, is interesting. That's kind of... What we talked about, even if you don't do the truly random where you roll and take whatever the dice tell you on the table, is taking that encounter and working it in this type of manner, saying, hey, it's from the fighter's background. Hey, this is from something you did previously. That is pretty cool. I like that. My other thought on random encounters has to do with play style. Something I think is worth some serious consideration is the usefulness of random encounters in a sandbox style game of low prep. When you're playing a game where there's no pre-established campaign plot, it's an open sandbox, and you aren't spending time prepping, like me. Then random encounters can literally create multiple dangling plot threads by connecting them to the PC's backgrounds with a little imagination 
then putting some random trinket in the dead random monster's pocket from the PHB trinket table or something similar, and then let the story evolve organically from there. I've run games like this with my experience group, and I've even done it with my little nieces and nephew, where I literally randomly rolled the whole adventure from the tables in the 5e DMG, and we had a blast. You just need to use your imagination to make meaningful, albeit impromptu, connections to the PC's backgrounds and or existing story in order to make it feel alive, uh, interesting, and relevant. Just two humble thoughts to add to your discussion on Random Encounters. A million thank yous to you for a great podcast. Looking forward to something special for episode 100. All the best, James Carruthers, Vancouver, BC. You know, James, what he outlines there around kind of impromptu sandboxy, that is, that's another way, I, I believe, to explain what I was saying and how it imp- random encounters helped me improve my, um, my ad-libbing, my, uh, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, God, no, I can't think, my, my low prep game style, basically, where I, I can run stuff and it's all off the cuff and you're like, all right, no prep, let's go with this. Oh, here's a random thing. Sure, we can work that in. And doing this type of thing, as he said, like with the armor and having been from something in fighter's background, just looking at it going, this would be cool, but how do I ha- give this thing meaning? Answering that question um, does exactly what he's talking about. That's really cool. Good stuff, James. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for writing in, James. <coughs> Speaking of Corey Wynn from earlier. Corey Wynn! Yeah, yeah. That would be Captain Man of War. Um, Hail Gaming and Beholder Spies. Just wanted to drop some uh, commentary on amazing show stuff. On Random Encounters, the section where Sean runs the train after the door opening sound. Oh, wait, wrong randomness. Anyways, I not only use monsters, but also things like a wandering minstrel troop. Thank you, Gus. Merchants and a barbarian tribe, etc. to make the world feel real. Not all random encounters have to be monsters. I also use a random rumor table for my NPCs. Some are true and some are false, up to the PCs to discover what they want to go after. I have no problem letting the PCs dictate the story at times, and every once in a while, uh, they make what I think is a minor plot into a major one, which is fun for me to adapt to. Minor point. Minor point. Sorry, minor point. Thank you. All right. Excuse me. Good God. On campaign building, boy, I could ramble on this one. I give the PCs an overall world map, plus a condensed player's guide to the world I made. I think grandiose, but paint with a broad brush because I don't know what PCs will latch on to, what NPC, what obscure corner they will venture into, etc. I also have about 30 to 40 NPC names on hand, male and female, plus a short sentence or two description of them to start a campaign. That's a damn good idea. Yeah. Um, details get added. <coughs> excuse me. Details get added as the PCs affix important uh, importance to the NPCs. Same goes for v- villains, plural. Don't start your campaign off with just one type of uh, villain character. Have have many, even with conflicting goals. It's fun to see the players resolve that or play villains off each other, or in some cases, the villains play the PCs off each other. I like to give out handouts even if they don't read them, because I like to create an immersive feel wherever, uh, whereas the players who read the material I gave will understand and get it and react. The ones who don't have a sense of mystery as to what's uh, the ones who don't have a sense of mystery of what they have, may have been missing. Campaigns are fun, and I try to model them as a book role played out. Not in the you are railroaded here event, but in the satisfying resolution of a story played out over sessions kind of thing. If you don't mind props, maps, minis, voices, even music, uh, etc., you probably won't like my game, I guess. Uh, I like to make the world story and campaign immersive for the players. Another news to you at Game Hole, hotel purchase, bad purchase, all that remains is the events plus a beer and convention. 
Excellent, Corey. We will see you there, sir. Yeah. Good stuff. That's, good. That's very good stuff. He spanned a couple episodes there. I think he's going back to 95, 94, maybe even back to 93, touched on a bunch of different things. So. And, and if that doesn't catch it, you know, if you don't catch something from those, start at zero, man. That's the only way to go. It It is a long, and it's a, yeah, you got to do it. We don't have, zero. we don't have a zero. We should probably do a zero. Don't we have a zero? Eh. Nah. Every show in its way is kind of like starting over for us. <laughs> it is kind of, isn't it? A little bit. Next is you. Chris Anja, Anjalucci. Anjalucci. Anjalucci, yeah. Anjalucci. He actually spells it out phonetically at the end of the email. Very nice. Good job, Chris. Hi, guys. I've been listening for a few, because this is how Chris sounds. Hi, guys. I've been listening for a few months and enjoying your back catalog. I'm sure Chris sounds a lot more intelligent <laughs> than you're making him well, look to me. What? And if you ever meet fi- the guy's from Philly, right? He's going to come over here and fucking punch well, him in the true. face. That's what's going to happen. Just because so, I sound down. like that doesn't mean that he doesn't sound chipper. All right. Like, you don't, yeah. don't just because you sound chipper doesn't sound like you're less intelligence. intelligent. Well, the way you do it. All right. Okay, I'll try it. <laughs> See if I can do Philly. No, don't, don't, don't insult everyone in I'll Philly. Do, I, I, I got Philly down. All right. Oh, God. Here we go. Hi, guys. I've been listening for a few months and enjoying your back catalog. I got. I think I got it nailed. Okay, sure. Well, let's go with that. One of the things I appreciate is how Brett often talks about his kids and gaming. My son just turned six and was recently diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. He's high functioning, which is why it wasn't diagnosed sooner, but has trouble regulating his emotions. I've been a role player since the Redbox days, and I even remember buying a copy of the Blackmore pamphlet back then. Though now I'm in my late 40s, I haven't gamed in over 20 years. I still keep a toe in the hobby by buying and reading new games. So the fact that he's been out for a while and he's picked us up is amazing in and of itself. Well, that is awesome. And the fact that he's he knows he wants to do it, right? Chris, is he's keeping the toe, he's buying, he's reading new games, he's staying current on stuff that's cool sometimes you know shit happens in your life you can't get you don't get the chance to game right but uh we've talked about this a little bit before and probably dive into deeper on episode 100 but uh if you're in the hobby there is a magnetic draw so anyway keep going would you guys mind talking a bit about things i can do to get my son into gaming he's into trains lego and star wars most of his action figures uh, figure play is about smashing them together and saying one is dead. He's halfway there. Laugh out loud, he says. Hello. <laughs> uh, right, which is not too terribly different than most of us, anyway. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Right. Have uh, you ever seen grown 40 year old men with miniatures on a table? Rawr, rawr, yeah. Smashing them together? Pretty oh, much. Dude, the paint, the paint, I painted that. You know, right. that happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering how Brett got his kids into gaming and what they initially responded to or were turned off by about RPGs. Thanks for a great podcast. I look forward to it every week. Chris Angelucci, Philadelphia, PA. I'll tell you what, Chris, this is going to go into the topic log. I like this. Uh, I like this idea. I'm not going to hit it today. I want to put a little more thought into it, but yes, we'll definitely do this. This is definitely worth talking about. So, Chris, I apologize for not hitting it right now, brother, but it is coming, and we will uh, we'll get we'll get you this soon. Yeah, I know it. Yes, we will. We'll get to it for definitely. sure. All right. So, thanks for writing in, uh, and 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 for those that have 
listened to this and has heard Chris's email just now, if you have suggestions for Chris, uh, be sure to email us uh, at gamingnbs at gmail.com and just say, hey, here are some good games. Or if you have uh, family members or or friends that are in similar situations as he is, because I don't know much. I mean, I have cousins that are autistic, but I don't, the, the spectrum and all that kind of, I don't know. And I don't have kids, which is, I'm a bad example. Um, but if you do, let us know. Enlighten us. Um, yeah, would that would be awesome because there's a number of other fathers and mothers out there or aunts, uncles, um, brothers, sisters that are that have helped do this. <clears throat> My buddy Zave runs some stuff for uh, for the Evercon Gaming Group, uh, which high school kids, younger kids, and I know there's I know there's other men and women out there who are doing this for younger people. So if you have ideas, tips, or tricks, email it in to us. Hit us up on Google Plus. I will take that and I will work that stuff into the discussion that Sean and I have. Very good idea. Yes, Sean. thank you. All right, man, go ahead. You want the next one? Yes. Who's this one from? This is... You have a from on it, man. Well, it's, it's, it's from somebody. I shoot. Yeah. Uh, you, you cut that out. Did I? I did. Yeah. It maybe, doesn't say who's Maybe from. I wanted to do a mystery. Maybe. Here, I'll double check. Shoot. I don't know how I did that. I'm not sure either. VC. Is this VC? VC. VC Young. VC Young. Okay. Yes, in response to my last email and, and slip up, I did have a player snap during my horror game. <laughs> okay, that's definitely VC. We talked about this last. Talk about uh, characters versus uh, players. Yes. All right. A few things uh, uh, in this will fall back on previous episodes. VC's got some goodies here. So, ready? <clears throat> Buckle up. Here we go. To set the scene, the PCs have been going through a lot and offer. And after the loss of a fellow PC, the one who snapped and drove off with the snowmobile into a house mentioned in the previous email, yeah. the PCs decided to follow the tracks. This is why you have to start at one and listen forward. Because if you don't do that, you don't know what the fuck is going on right no. now. No, you, you got to get in on this. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so that snowmobile, house, previous email, the PCs decided to follow the tracks to see if anything survived of their companion, of which they found only a hole in a house with a bloody ring. Afraid the recent noise would attract unwanted attention, the PCs found a local house that they could seek shelter in, and so did. When they entered, they found the house to be in a bit of disrepair. Obviously, no one had cleaned up in a very long time. But heard music coming from one room and some blue flickering light. The PCs opened the door and find a person laying on a bed, who even from a distance you could tell was deceased. The individual had overdosed on some drugs and still had a needle in his arm. This is where we started hitting taboos, episode 42, and I'd like to state that in my circle of gamers, we were very respectful when it comes to the subjects that upset people. My players were <clears throat> excuse me, warned ahead of time that this was going to be a no-holds-barred uh, psychological assault on the players, and if they felt uncomfortable, they could leave. This is the only time escape was allowed. These subjects I take very seriously, underscored and bolded, but that doesn't mean we can't explore them. I believe um, one of the best ways to deal with something that upsets you is to face it head-on with the same... Uh, within the safe confines of those you trust the most. Friends and family. In my gaming group, that is each other, and we strive to mess with and support each other through that. Continuing. The PCs who entered the room could hear and see a movie playing and a song that would skip repeat. John Carpenter's The Thing, the scenes with very superstitious playing. They turned off the TV and started hearing crying coming from somewhere outside the house. When they looked, they saw a little girl in a nightgown with bloodstains. At this point, my player let's call him Tim, was a bit more on edge than he usually was. The thing is the only movie that actually scares him. In fact, terrifies him. 
<laughs> nice. This is what I wanted. I wanted them and him to feel a sense of urgency, which they did. Three of the PCs went outside to investigate, while the others stayed behind to cover them from the house. I apologize here to you, Brett. This might upset you. The three PCs that went out there <clears throat> kept their distance and tried to talk to the girl. She, she responded by sobbing, wiping her eyes, and holding her hands up, gesturing to be picked up and hugged. Tim pulled a shotgun on her and declared he was going to pull the trigger. The other two PCs got between him and the child and said no. I told the player that no matter what, he was going to lose sanity for this. In order to do what he wanted, he had two choices. Either make a will save to pull the trigger or willingly fail and take the blunt force trauma of the sanity loss. If he took the fail option, he would have to lose. He would have lost all of his remaining sanity. At this point, it was only a nine. So he decided to roll. He failed, so he couldn't pull the trigger. The girl walked five feet closer and continued what she was doing. The PCs tried this five more times and couldn't make the save, which only made him more upset. The other two PCs acted. One picked up the little girl. The other took the gun from Tim, who at this point was about to throw his books and dice across the room. <laughs> oh, shit. The little girl was, da-da-da, in fact, a monster. And because the PC was holding her, got an auto hit on him, and she bit his neck. He freaked, threw the girl, lost some sanity for this, and ran back to the group to help to help stop the bleeding. The PC who took the gun away, willing, uh, who took the gun away, who took uh, the PC who took the gun willingly failed the save, walked up and did the act. It was at this point that Tim literally started laughing out loud and sobbing hysterically. We immediately stopped the game and talked to him about it. Apparently, John Carpenter's movie had a much larger impact on him than even we knew. So when he heard the music and I described the girl immediately afterwards, his brain connected the two, as he would, says Sean, and he started to panic. All in all, it was a learning experience for us, and he felt much better after we talked about it. Although we did end up snapping again, different reasons, and causing almost the entirety of the party's death. Fun spoiler, only one PC survived this game, and that's uh, really based on opinion. As Brett might say, you really don't lose your win, you just get uh, the not worse ending. <laughs> Keep it rocking, guys, VC. Holy cow, VC. Wow. Damn, brother. That's some heavy shit, man. That is I'll, some heavy shit. Holy I'll cow. tell you what, though. Whether, whether you... My assumption here is that listeners of our show... People that take the time to write into us, especially amongst that amongst that cadre of folks. They take this. He says he takes it very seriously, and I have no reason to doubt him. What he outlines here is an issue. They stopped, had a personal out of game discussion. Touch points happened. People were triggered on different things. They addressed it. They dealt with it as a group. That's incredibly adult and grown up type of thing to do. I mean, obviously, we're getting a very cliff notes to bridge version right. of all the activity and all the the entire group dynamic here. So. But I'll tell you what, VC man, that is that is pretty fucking cool. That's RPG so, gold there. It is. It absolutely is. And as you've outlined it, I know there's more to it, but just what I'm seeing there, um, well handled, I think, all the way around. Good stuff. Yeah. Over to you, sir. You got when playing Call of Cthulhu, the keeper's job is to make the players go insane. Mostly. That's when I think <laughs> that's when I think you've had a good adventure. Exactly. When the players themselves are actually on the floor crying and wailing. Yes. Right. Yes. Maybe that's too insensitive of me. I don't know. I'm a, soci- yeah, maybe. I'm a sociopath. What are you going to do? A pure mongrel on G plus G plus writes. Okay. That's it. Your last episode has sent me over the edge. Oh sure. It made sense. And oh sure. A group game is better. And yes, I picked up some more great tips, but you know what? What about us? What about us poor bloody GMs? Oh, preach it, man. 
pure mongrel, who I know his real name, that shall <laughs> not be said. Not on, not here, it won't. In the good old days, we were the masters of our domain. It was our way on the hot or the highway as we rubbed our hands with evil intent, throwing anything at the players that took our fancy. Players lived in our world. We did not live in theirs. This guy's all right. Hey, <laughs> he's like, Brad, he's if I die, to, get, this, get this guy to do my fill yeah, in, in for he's me. He's in. All right. Yeah. He is the head priest of the Church of Sean. Okay. I have calmed down a bit now, and in all seriousness, it was another good podcast. But the running theme that goes through all GMing advice these days is make it about the players. Because uh, I don't do Aussie. I know he's from Australia, but I'll figure they know a little, they know how to do snooty voice. Make it about the players. And while admittedly good advice, it always feels to me that one player is always the second class citizen in today's RPG world. The poor game master. We pander to all those needs of the players who, let's face it, are selfish children for the most part. We feel... <laughs> bold, bold statements. We feel like we are hurting cats during the game as players constantly split up or do selfish acts that takes a straightforward encounter and turns it into a political and cultural nightmare that we then need to somehow come up with a solution on the spot to get the game back on track or just blatantly ignore or forget even the simplest and obvious information and clues. We also have to be the player's advocates if one player suffers from analysis analysis paralysis oh sure we gms have to keep track of all the pc actions all npc interactions and a whole freaking world but the one player can't even remember magic missile is the go-to spell in combat so that the other players don't get bored have encounters ready have backup encounters ready role play a hundred different beings make it interesting for the players provide a warm safe environment for the player characters to role play without fear or judgment fear of judgment be conscious of the players' feelings and needs. Buy or create more material that the players don't already know or metagame. Judicate the rules with the wisdom and patience of Solomon so the players feel their over-the-top, wacky, and impossible idea to seduce the demon god was at least considered as a possibility. Provide enough loot and happy joy-joy feelings. Arrgh! Where is the GM love, guys? <laughs> Starts to calm down again. Funny over-the-top GM rant aside, I would like an episode dedicated on ways to keep the game fun for GMs, the overworked pack horses and crazy glue that holds things together of the RPG world. How can they make things more fun for themselves, and how can they educate players to understand that if the GM is not having fun, the game will fold? Side note, I have two gaming groups, and they are great. Not perfect, but great. Whew. Well, the mongrel is—he's uh, a hoot, right? So he's on—he follows us on uh, Google Plus. <laughs> You'll see him out there, and uh, <clears throat> he's got a lot of this good stuff. It's fun; it's all fun. And all I—what I've seen from him is uh, a lot of tongue firmly planted in cheek. So it's pretty damn funny stuff, I think. Anyway, um, there are a number of different approaches that people have taken towards this. Some are even so far as like um, Robin Laws would say, game masters are players as well. They just have a slightly different role. And maybe too hippy dippy for for mongrel or some other folks, but the idea is solid, right? Because <clears throat> the game master, there's things that the game master has to have as well, and oftentimes, I shouldn't say oftentimes. I've heard this before, where sometimes game masters will feel put upon, or that the I've had to make all the concessions, 
the rest the players didn't i made the i made this decision i cut this i gave up something so that johnny or susie or whomever could be happy and um there is something to be said from and we've talked about this before when we had Sneezak and phil on for our 50th episode around how to be a better player and there are things that players should do as well but um i think it's definitely uh, it's worth a topic i'll have to mull this one over mongrel and see what i can do i'll pull something out of the hat we'll get it in there Good stuff, man. Thank you. Thanks for writing in. Let's get into Random Encounter. No, no, we Let's did Random Encounter. Let's get into encounter. Random Encounter again. Again. Let's do the topic, baby. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, Brett? Well, I'm going to piss off the mongrel bit here and talk <laughs> about character building questions. <laughs> it's actually not going to be totally character focused here, uh, mongrel, so don't get too mad at me. Anyhow, I want to talk about character building questions. We talked about you know different ways to do character gen, do them at the table, do it to do it individually, and so forth. But I want to talk specifically this time around character build and being interactive. And the best way I know to make building characters and so forth interactive is kind of a Q and A, if you will, from the game master side and from the player side to help build and do different things. I know there are some one of the cool things that Dungeon World does is it has the bonds. And some of the things that the bonds do is they have these questions. You would say, Sean, um, pick a bond for your character. And you're like, oh, um, <clears throat> I have a bond with Brett's character. Really, what is that bond? Brett saved my life once, and I will and I will always be indebted to him or something along those lines. And you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's neat. Clearly, that begs the question, how did that happen? Um, it's those types of questions that when you – are building characters together, and there are other game systems. I know from my reading, it's been a while, of the Dresden Files game, which is fate-based, um, is building the world together, asking questions together about the world. What does it have? What doesn't it have? What are unanswered questions that are potential adventure seeds and so forth? So I thought we'd talk about the types of questions from the Game Master side, Basically, see, I don't want to worry so much about creating the world per se, but more from that character building perspective. We'll probably end up bleeding into world creation a bit here. I don't think we can avoid that. But try to stick with it from the character build side of things. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, man. Sounds, something makes total sense. Of course it does. It's my idea. Right. My ideas are good. Yeah. That's sure. That. Right. That's, oh, that's, yeah. how I, that, that's how I was able to buy a new motorcycle. That's how you got a new motorcycle. That's, that's how I got a new motorcycle. Right. Weekend. I'm happy about it's that. a great idea, honey. Trust <laughs> it's me. It's a totally good idea. Is it expensive now? It'll no, be more. Not. It'll be more comfortable for you. It's all about yeah, you. It will be mostly about you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you've ridden on one once this year. Yeah. The best part is when is when she said, "Didn't you take it for a test drive before you bought it?" And I went, "No." She's like, "Are you kidding me? Of course not. Why would I do that?" Uh, the dealership's not going to give me one that doesn't start or run. Exactly. Jeez. Wow. Way the hell off topic. <laughs> Hit two bikers on a bike podcast about gaming. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so one of the things that I have taken to doing is that when we're making characters as a group, I try to do this more often. Is that I start I start figuring out like I need to ask questions. This is before I'd ever a dungeon world, saying, "Okay, how do you know this person? Does anybody here know each other?" Asking overall kind of arcing questions, saying, "Well, you guys have I've been giving you the limitations of the world, uh, saying, hey, guess what? There's no dwarves." Or elves in this adventure, it's only about hobbits, gnomes, and humans, and half-elves. Okay, great, that's what we're going to do. Or whatever the limitations are. <clears throat> You're in the far north, blah, blah, blah. You've got the setting specifics down. 
and people start sitting down noodling on character ideas or they came with something, I often do, what's your character concepts? First question. We've got a, using D&D parlance, I got a ranger, I got a fighter, I got another fighter, I got another fighter, I got a cleric, and three thieves. Okay. Just something as, <laughs> excuse me, as simple as that, especially in a class-based game, where the group looks around and goes, no mage? And someone goes, well, I don't know if we have to have a mage, Brett. And they'll look at me, and from the player's side, they'll say, do we have to be balanced? I'm like, look, I'm not worried about that. That's up to you. Um, obviously, having a mage in a party does make certain things easier. Uh, where you're at, mages, I get a little bit of world bits in there. Why there would be a mage, what a mage would be up to. Trying to make the mage character sound kind of sexy and attractive. Maybe someone will dig on that. And sometimes like, yeah, no, no one wants to be a mage, fine. But someone might say, well, why do we have three thieves? Do we really need three thieves? Well, says Sean, my thief is more of the streetwise rogue, and Brett's thief is actually a dungeon delver kind, and uh, Phil's thief is just a, he's a scout, basically. He's kind of a wannabe ranger guy. That's what he's into. Oh, okay. So we have differentiation, <coughs> helping with niche protection and things like that. Um, so those are just very high level. Some of the kind of getting the ball rolling type of questions that I've used at the table before. Sean, have you, do you do any of that or? Yes. Is it, do, as a matter of hand fact, out tickets? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, Brad, I did it when you joined our game, didn't I? Yes, you did. I, did. I just figured I'd, I just, I figured I'd let everybody oh. see that you're not a, a total bastard. So, right. Yeah. I'm not a total dickhead automaton GM kind of guy. Not every day. No, that's what I, hey. That's what I try to perceive. Yeah, you want to be perceived as such. I get it. Correct. All right. Yeah, I phrase that correctly. You're, exude, you're exuding that. And I am, yes. So it is. Um, funny thing is, I think I asked that question, and I don't think I ever used any of that stuff. Although it did come together with you guys kind of hooking up, tying yourselves to each other somehow. Even if, so what I'm going, exactly where a point I wanted to get to here is even if the only thing that it does by having the players asking those type of questions, even if the only thing this question answer thing does is gets the players connected in some way, even if they all agree, nope, we don't know each other. Okay. We've all agreed that there is no mage. We've all agreed that there's no Decker in a Shadowrun game. We've all agreed whatever. Okay, cool. Um, you have that understanding, and then having that basis is again, it's a bit of a social contracty type of move. I hate to keep bringing that up, but at some when the when you the group has agreed that you're playing D and D with no magic user, okay, you all know the limitations by that. Yeah, we'll deal with it. It's no big deal. We'll we'll cope. We'll hire one if we need to, or get a sage or something. All right, fine. If one gets that, and they know that they're immediately going in with one mystical arm tied potentially behind their back. Okay, great. Um, well, well, Brett, as a GM, do you change things based upon that decision? So, because I run, for lack of a better phraseology right now, I run more open world sandbox. I have kind of an alpha and omega approach. I know what's going to happen at the end. I know some show stops along the way that they're going to take when they get off you know, the ride and see what it is that they want to see, mill around a little bit. Um, I might very well change things up a bit. Okay. Change the lethality of an encounter, or if I had something like, look, no one in the party is going to give a fuck about the great spell book of Amun-Ra because I don't have a goddamn spellcaster. I might change the magic item into something that somebody would care about. Instead of a spell book, it's a prayer book. Oh, because I have a cleric in the group. Okay, and then I can tie it to them. I may make adjustments like that. Okay. Make sense? 
It it absolutely does make sense. I have, on the other hand, I should also say that I have in the past not changed that type of thing and said, nope, too bad. So you've been, oh, okay. Have you ever oh my intentionally, God, I, I have, this, have, you, have you gone the other way? <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. Oh, you don't have like, a magic user. Oh, great. Hey, so you come across this tome. None of you can read. Awesome. But the bad guy sure seemed to want it bad. If I were you, you know, the, the unspoken is, if I were you, I'd figure what the fuck is in that book. Is it probably your life if you don't figure that out? You know, then they go out and have to meet a sage and they're interacting or a NPC wizard or something they got to deal with. Yeah, the world, right, doesn't change just because they don't have freaking doesn't have to. party does member. have to change. Yeah. You look like a worthy adventurer. What's your name? That's all it takes. More or less. Players, pure mongrel, yeah. freaking listening to this, buddy. <laughs> He's getting all mad already. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. But the cool, the cool bit there, though, is from my perspective, is I've also used it's manipulating is a hard phrase, but I've also used it to point out that just so you know, you're going into the wizard's tower. I told you at the beginning, the whole adventure was Irul's tower, and Irul was an ancient wizard that once ruled this realm, and you have all that background. You have no wizard. Oh, yeah, we should probably. And Dave's like, oh, I haven't played a mage in a while. I'll roll up a mage. Yeah, I like that. I haven't done a mage. We should really have one. That's a way for me to enforce my will upon the team. Say, ladies, gentlemen, just so you know, I told you at the beginning, the outside of the tin said Wizard's Tower Adventure. Guess what's on the fucking inside of the tin? A Wizard's Tower Adventure. So what does that mean? Oh, yeah, wow, we should really have somebody who's capable of dealing with magical traps or reading magic and blah, blah, blah. Maybe we need to have that. Um, the other piece then is when the players will drop certain bits and uh, bits of knowledge about character background. Somebody's going, oh, my guy was, um, his name is Phytor. He's from Phytor land. His parents were killed by orcs and he hates orcs. Okay, yeah, blah, blah. Um, the types of things that the players tell you about are what they want to see, do, and experience, right? The players are telling you that, hey, my thief is a streetwise thief. The other thief is a dungeon delver thief, and the other thief was a scout for a military unit. Okay, three different thieves. Each player is looking for three different opportunities to engage in their thievy type role, right? Make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think the <clears throat> the answers that the players are giving back to you, I I milk that, and I that helps. It's inspiration material for me, saying, "Wow, okay, they're going to Irul's Tower." It's a wizard tower. I have this type of stuff. I've convinced one of them to make a mage, thank God, because otherwise that would just be silly based on everything I already told them about the history and the layout. Oh, and they're also telling me that they have this type of background. This guy's looking for his lost brother. All right, I could drop a rumor or two, a hint on there. I scratch a couple notes. Those are things that go into as, um, uh, as I think it was, it wasn't VC that mentioned it. Oh, it was uh, Corey. As Corey had talked about with his list of NPCs and type of knowledge and rumors and that type of thing. If you want to know where to get some of that stuff, ask your players Ooh. for the unknown background bits. Ask your players what's out there, and they're going to give you a ton of shit. Oh, I never met my father. Sean's character never met father. Emily says, I'm looking for my, my sister. She was... Stolen by a warlock. Okay, good. Stolen by a warlock. Freaking good. Where's, where's you know, Angela's sister? You know, I got to deal with that. Yes, but the players will go on with the adventure, and that will be bear no relevance. Well, that's just stupid of you. <laughs> <laughs> so where I'm getting at, Sean, is Or maybe it's centered of, only around that player. 
character. It could very well be. It could be. Well, then one person's in the spotlight the entire campaign. That's awesome. Yes, yeah, because Angela's awesome. The rest of you all suck. Just pick oh. up your game. I'll give you some spotlight. Well, dude. Angela is awesome. That's true. Ex- true statement. Exactly. Right. Yes. Very true. So anyway, where we started at the beginning, though, is that even if the only thing you get out of it is that the players all agree, the types of characters, classes, races, benefits, skill sets, whatever the hell your game system is, everyone understands who's made what, they understand their interconnections, are they using any kind of bond systems, are they connected to each other, are they not, they've agreed to that. The other piece, then, is that, as Corey Wynn laid out for us, hey, guess what, you can take this information they're giving you if you take notes as Game Master, you have fodder for more stuff because this is something your players have said would be interesting to you. The other thing you can do then is that when Brett says, you know, my dad was killed by orcs and I want to strike, whatever. You, you don't have to write down ever. Just because a player throws that, you doesn't mean it's always gold, right? Well, Brett yeah, really, no shit on that. No shit, exactly. Right. Brett could have a really bad idea that doesn't fit with anything. You know, I really want to capture a fairy dragon is what character's goal. Good, good for you, Brett. Fairy dragon capture. Fairy don't dragon. care. Has yeah. nothing to do with this storyline. Fine. Yeah. If Brett doesn't bring it up as his character throughout the game, don't care. If his character continues to hammer on the fairy dragon thing, hey, maybe it could be comic relief. Maybe it could be something later on. But point being is that the players are throwing, they're spitting diamonds and copper pieces and various other things at you. Sift through the sift through the rubble, pull out the gems, make a note. When you meet the NPC and someone looks at Angela's character and says, you remind me of this girl who came through here. Really? Yeah, there's this young girl. She was with uh, with a traveling warlock. They're passing through. Oh, my God. Boom. Angela's character is engaged. Oh, my God. Even if it's not this adventure, it's a, it's a hook. It's a piece. It's something that gives her another chunk of what she's desperately looking for because she told you she wants to see that stuff. And again, then I, as a game master, have the ability to dole it out at the times I think are appropriate or it would also be fun for me. You know what would be really good right now? Everyone's kind of sitting in a bar, and, uh, bar analysis paralysis. Guess what's going to happen? Someone's going to walk up and accost Chris, Chris's character thinking that Chris is somebody else. Random Why? encounter, man. Absolutely. Random encounter material. All of that stuff. It doesn't, like we said before, it doesn't have to be monsters. It could be role-playing opportunities. That's right. So <clears throat> I guess the value to me as the Game Master side is I'm pumping the players for information that I can make my random encounter charts. I can help build my improv style. I can pull all this data together that I can use later when I think it's appropriate or when it seems necessary. And I also get to, this is harsh, but I'm kind of forcing the players, like, look, guys, remember this adventure? Remember this is the game we wanted to play? It's also the opportunity when I make Wolverine, the character that is the best there is at what he do, and what he does isn't pretty, and he's a loner, and blah, 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 and he wants to take and never wants to be with anybody, Sean can look at me and go, Brett, that's not the game, dude. Bring your character back. He has to be connected. This is Dungeon World. This is how this works. These are the mechanics we're using and so forth. So, Sean, what do you think of that? I've rambled a bit there. What do you, you, got, you with me or what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm all on board this freaking Brett train. It's the best part of the Brett train. Brett the train. The, the onboarding process. That's right. Onboarding. <laughs> now, you said, though, that... And I don't mind, honestly, that even if the stuff we did for the D&D game we started basically just got all of us together while right. we were running. Yes. That was a perfectly legitimate goal. And we also built characters. We knew enough about the history that I distinctly remember us kind of talking around, hey, we could have this, this, or this. And Jim or Steve or I or Kevin or Austin would say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sean said we're out here. Sean, what about this? And then you were a reference point. 
we asked about nobility in the area. We asked about churches or we asked about things. You were a reference point for what we did or didn't know to help build those bonds between our characters. Have you, is there any other things that you've done in kind of a question and answer phase like that from the game master's perspective? Hmm. I'm trying to think. As far or as if like, you haven't, or if you haven't done it yourself, have you been part of another game master doing such a thing that you like? Hey, that was cool, or the system has a good mechanic for it. I mean, Dungeon World that bonds are awesome. I think. Anything else like that, or um, help a brother out, man. Come on, give me an example. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, well, Star Wars has got the obligation piece. Now, oh yeah, it does. Edge of the Empire obligation. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so one of the one of the common obligations that typically will come into play when you play Edge of the Empire is the ship. Like who got the ship? How'd they get the ship? Uh, because ships don't come cheap and usually somebody's either taken out a loan or S- stolen. They've stolen a ship. Not that we stole a ship, but we stole a ship. You guys did steal tra- the ship. <laughs> it's- it's just a faulty transponder. I'm sorry it happens to register like a cloud car. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So regardless of your interconnections, you're all on a stolen ship. You all have one thing in common for sure. You're all on a that, stolen ship. Which is home. Which <laughs> is if we don't, pretty much if home. We don't, yeah. If we don't have that, we're stuck. Yeah. So now you can get into the obligation piece. And then if you want other people to be involved in that, Specific obligation. So for those that aren't familiar with obligations in Star Wars, Edge of the Empire, um, you choose it, you get some XP for it, um, and that allows you to apply that XP to your character build. But uh, the game master can buy it off, basically enact it. The company, or the company, the party as a whole, it, it triggers things within the game. And think of obligations as the Greedo showing up at the cantina to confront Han Solo. Or in uh, the second one, uh, Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, yeah, well, the bounty hunter ran into back on blah, 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 made me rethink my obligations, and he wants to bail. Right. He eventually gets hunted down and stuck in carbonite. That's right, because the obligation obligation that he ignored for too goddamn long, and then then Boba Fett shows up and freezes your ass. That's right. Hmm. So I think... A little foreboding going on. Totally foreboding. Right. Spo- spoilers. In case anybody spoilers. hasn't seen those. Hey, Speaking of spoilers. Hey, center of our game group is listening. He, he, ha, ha. Yeah. Oh. Anyhow. <laughs> I'm in that group. God damn it. Yeah, Brett anyway. might be in Carbonite. Who knows? Man, uh, that's okay. I'll be on a ship for shooting the guns at people. I'll be fine. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> exactly. So I think a piece here that I think what you're touching on, at least that makes me think about it, is the mechanics perspective. If your game system has... Mechanics built into it for bonds, obligations, and those types of things. One of the reasons to help, <coughs> excuse me, to have players build characters together and work them in that session zero concept where you're kind of getting things together before you get rolling, use those mechanics where they exist. They're there for a reason. And a lot of it, honestly, in my opinion, is to make the game master's life a little bit easier. They're making connections. They're they're drawing the players and their characters into the action, the world, the setting, and with each other, having a need and a reason to be there, that stuff is gold. If you have a mechanic to help do it where you get experience points for something or you get bonuses or negatives if you don't and blah, 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 understanding that stuff and using it at the beginning and enforcing it throughout the game, use them, those mechanics, I think that's rock solid because it really, 
I do believe it really seriously is in there to do exactly what Mongrel's talking about. It helps the game master make his life a little bit easier. There's a reason. Click. If you play Gumshoe with um, <coughs> Trail of Cthulhu, you have uh, drives. Why would your librarian go into the basement where he thinks there's ghouls and all he has is a flickering flashlight? Because he has a drive that says he must investigate this thing because of X. Therefore, he has to go. If he chooses not to, there's a downside. If he goes in, there's an upside. Granted, the upside could also cause a downside where he's dead and eating my ghouls. But <clears throat> those are the types of things that mechanical-wise really help the Game Master's perspective. And asking those things up front, what is your drive? Why are you here? Why are you hunting vampires? Why are you doing this thing? That's really important. And when you have the mechanics to support it, with the pluses, minuses, bonuses, and negatives, it's when they do it. Yeah, it's good stuff. <clears throat> so, Sean, as a player side, have you ever been on the player side of the screen when the, these, these types of questions come out? Do you, as a player, help facilitate those things? Or do you, what, what, if you don't, what do you think a player should do to uh, kind of get in there as well, right? Because it's, it's not just from this side of the screen <clears throat> talking out to the players. What can the players do? to help the Q&A session go better. So having been a game master and a player, I have seen both sides of the screen, which allows me to have some insight onto what's actually being provided to me. As it, one of the only men I know, men or women I know, that have done such an amazing feat. That's why I came to you, Sean. Well, I'm looking for your insight. Right. And uh, it's with that knowledge that I can take a look and say, well... I could be dickhead player and go completely across the grain and not like be a good citizen of the game and say, Hey man, I don't even know these assholes or I can become the resident expert and provide the knowledge that my player character has of whatever it may be to bestow upon the clueless other player characters. Yeah, if you know the rules of the bonds, you know the Austin helped a lot with that because, as we heard last time, I outsourced my character build uh, for Edge of the Empire. <clears throat> so when it came down to obligations and some of those pieces, if you know the system, if you know the mechanics and those tools, or the world, the setting, and so forth, as the player, the other thing that happened then is we, when we're building our Star Wars characters, or had them built for us in my case, um, we asked each other questions. Why are you here? What is it you do? Where are you from? Oh, your character is is a Mandalorian. Does that mean this? Oh, I don't know if it does that or not. <clears throat> Every one of us at that table have Game Master. I think maybe Jim. I don't think Jim has. No. Well, he. I don't but, know back in the day if he has or not. But the rest of us have within recent history. And you can, you can tell when a group of Game Masters sit down to be players because the players... Then the game masters turn players immediately start asking the same goddamn questions we would ask for on the other side of the screen. So Sean starts making a guy, and I'm like, "So does your dwarf? Is he from the Iron Hills? And does he follow the same rules?" And Sean be like, "Well, yeah, yeah, he does, but he has a best friend who's an elf, so that's why I don't mind hanging out with you, even though you're a gray elf." Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. <clears throat> so game master turned player. That question and answer skill set that you've developed from your side of the screen totally applies on the other side of the screen as a player. You can look across the, the plate and say, hey, Zave, you're 
Are you playing the cleric? Yeah, I love playing clerics. Okay. I'm thinking a druid would be better. Are you up for playing a druid? Because the type of thing that, you know, Sean just outlined, <clears throat> I'm really thinking a druid, man, because a cleric and Dave may be like, well, I don't know. And I'm asking a question. I'm trying to push him to get something I think would be better. I don't want to play the druid, obviously. I'm trying to get Dave to play the druid. And then Sean, if he's a good game master, is going to pick in there and say, hey, wait a minute. <clears throat> you don't have to go with the druid, Dave. Brett makes a good point. Blah, blah, blah. So there's no... How do I say this? There's no line that says the player can only answer the question. The player can't ask a question. And I think sometimes I have seen it before where players only ask questions. They look to the game master and say, Sean, Brett, you know, Chris, Angelo, whomever. What about X? Good. I do that. And they write down the answer. Um, and other players will, you can see it. Like, oh, fine, I guess I can't make a cleric. Oh, I can't make a mage. Sean already took the mage. If you're sitting there and the DM doesn't catch it and I see it, I say, well, no, 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 Ange, you can totally be a mage too. There's no reason you and Sean can't both be mages here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris said it doesn't matter. We could totally do that. Encouraging each other um, to to build characters and fill voids and all that stuff. The other thing I think is important on the player side, and we've talked about this before, is that you know the truth is at the table. And when the game master is asking us those questions and trying to pull the what do we want to see do experience, be very honest and forthright and even say, well, you know what? It's a private matter for my character. We're not playing. This is session zero stuff we're talking about here. Um, where we go, well, my character has a secret fear of X, or he is driven about this thing, is very private, but it will inform his activity. Oh, okay. You say that out loud, the rest of the players don't look at Sean then and go, God, what an ass. Why is he he's playing his character like such a dick? No, Sean told us at the beginning that his character is speaks in terse sentences. He's very loyal, but he doesn't know how to show it. He just says things this way. And Sean's playing character. Okay, we get that. And you can take some of that private information, put it on the table where it becomes true and everyone gets it. And then they can help you play to that point. Does that make sense? Yes. So I think I was pretty pleased with how we did it when we ran, when you ran the D and D game for us and when even in edge of the empire, the cool, again, with edge of the empire, with the dice system that they use with the interpretive dice and so forth uh, with different symbols and the pluses and minuses and all that stuff. Is the <laughs> freaking coaster? Is we'll we'll run into something and we'll roll a dice. Sean and I will start talking about what the dice mean. And Steve, Kevin, Jim, Austin, somebody will jump in and go, "Wait a minute, Brett, your character has this background that you told me about. Therefore, I think this is a better answer." Again, it's that question and answer thing during play. But the only reason they can help me do that in the game is because they participated so heavily in the question and answer session at the beginning. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you're just agreeing with me tonight, man. I'm either I'm either really on or really off. Well, well I don't I don't I can't disagree with anything you've come up with. I think it's all good methods of bringing things together. And frankly, as long as the players don't fight it, everything will come together. Like even if it's like even the secret stuff. I mean, I don't know as a GM if there were secret things and the player wanted something secret, I would just start creating rumors. There you go. Okay. Yeah, it could be still secret, but somebody could like. Have I, you ever had 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, ask us. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, have you ever had players like not want to engage in this type of thing? Um. Yeah, I think I, I think we've all run into maybe one player at one point that's kind of like wanting to be the outlier, and but they still end up going along with the party, but they don't really have a motivation to do it. But I just kind of like shrug my shoulders and say, okay, that's fine. And then they're they still kind of go with it as long as they're not going. I don't have a motivation here. I'm just going to leave. Because if they leave, then what's the point of them playing? And, I mean, as, yeah, as long as it's not a total, as long as it's not like a total asshole move, right? You're like, and they're just like, well, I'm just here to kill orcs because I've had a shitty day, and I played a fighter because I just want to put an axe in something's face. That's all I want to do. And that may okay. and that may be okay too. I mean, at least then they're they're part of the party. They don't have to be. They don't have to be bonded to each other so closely that you know it's like a freaking romance novel. Well, tell you what, actually that. That is something that in this session, when you're asking at the, the, the session zero, when you're asking those questions, you're having that Q&A, and Brett looks across and says, look, I just want to play a dwarven fighter because I want to put my axe in as many orcs' faces as possible. I just want to kill stuff. Right. And he, <laughs> I may not say that that overtly, but it becomes pretty obvious when somebody's like, look, I made a fighter. I'm picking on fighter classes because this happens in there. Made a fighter. He's a goddamn tank, and that's what he is. He has a flat personality. He doesn't have a lot of stuff. He's going to, no, I don't want to be a leader. No, I'll just follow. I don't want to do this. I want a magic sword and magic armor. That's all I'm looking <laughs> for. And my, a shield. If I get a shield, that'd be good. It's my buddy Jimmy's character. Yeah. But if that is what that player's after, if you have, if you start talking about your character creation and the DM's asking questions, well, what kind of bonds do you have? Well, I follow Sean. Really? Why? I probably owe him a life debt or something. That's why I'm his bodyguard. Okay. You can't draw Brett out any further than that. That's all I've given. And Chris may look at that and go, well, you know what? Okay, Brett's here to punch stuff in the face. He can evolve that, but that's where he's starting. His character is starting to protect Sean's character and punch shit in the face. Okay, that, that's what he's there for. And <clears throat> if you have, in my opinion, when you have the private session, when the game master talks to the player, you can sometimes ferret that stuff out. What happens in a group and people are talking and you try to draw someone out or you give them a little spotlight time in the Q&A session, whatever it is, you can learn a lot. And the other players then are listening as well. If they're doing their job, they're paying attention. And when Brett says, look, I'm Sean's bodyguard. I punch shit in the face. That's what I do. And my dwarf owes a life debt to an elf. That's fucking it. That's all there's to it. Okay. Everyone understands when Brett's a gruff, taciturn little bastard that that's just what he wants to do. Everybody else can run off and have fun and not worry about having to keep Brett in a certain thing because they know what he's up to. They know what it's all about as opposed to having to figure it out in play, right? Get it out there. So the truth is on the table and everybody can pick it up and run with it. That's boom. what I'm saying. Bam, boom, bam, done. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Let's get into die roll, dude. Do it. Die roll. You, you were so agreeable. I don't know, man. I am, man. It's good stuff, man. You're so nice. Yeah. Die roll. Element of the show where we uh, put two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. This is where Brett falls flat. I got one. Brett's got one. We've got four from listeners and four from me. <laughs> yeah. Although, to to um, to my discredit, one of them, Sean already mentioned, and, uh, mm. and uh, two of the four from listeners are from the same person having to post two different things. Anyway, so I'm kind of skating here. But, to my credit... Or uh, to my distraction credit, I guess I did get a new motorcycle, so I'm a little busy. 
Yeah, he is. Yes. I'm thinking about accessories right now is what I'm thinking about. Right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Jason the Beard Blaylock, he made a thing. They met in a tavern. We got a link in the show notes. Um, Jason is a cool dude. He's a really great gamer. He's a lot of fun online. He's... um, if you want to have fun with Jason when you see him, my first thought is um, get a rubber spider and throw it at him. Oh, However, right, you need to, you need to do that from about like two hundred yards away. So if you can figure out how to make that happen, that might work. Otherwise, I think he might kill you. Um, if you follow him on Google Plus, you'll 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 get the joke there. Anyway, uh, Met in a Tavern is a single set piece scenario for use with the Black Hack or most other OSR games. Includes four pre generated characters, uh, originally written for one shot convention use. And uh, it's pretty cool. I think um, we've got some of this goodness um, going out to one of our trivia contest winners, as Sean has alluded to earlier. So anyway. But if you don't wait, buy it. Don't. No, buy it. Buy it. If you get it from the contest, then give a copy away. Exactly. And if you get it from the I mean, there's only one way to guarantee you get a copy, and that's to go get the damn thing. Right. So go go do the good thing. Get out there. Hit the tabletop library. It's a buck. Grab it, give the man a dollar, and do it. Is that all it is? The buck? I'm seeing here. They met in a tavern. One dollar. That's crazy. Yeah. He's up there's, there's some. He does need up it. Right. You know what? If you see Jason, wrap $5 bill around that rubber spider. He'll appreciate it then. Yes. And then when all he right. unwraps the $5. <laughs> and then beats you to death with the spider. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 2016, any nominations are out. And as this drops, voting will have opened. Sean, did we get in the did we get the Ennies? Did we get Hells in the Ennies? Hells no. Oh, no. But guess who is in the Ennies? But exactly. Misdirected Mark. And remember, Sean and I have been on Misdirected Mark a couple of times. I've actually I'm going to be on an episode of Down with D and D as well, while Chris is off getting married. And so this means a vote for Misdirected Mark is also a vote for Gaming NBS. And if Misdirected Mark gets an any, we we'll get one get too. Little, they, we they'll get pro- one too. They'll probably even share it with us. They might share it with us. I could probably when I'm out there at Queen City. If this happened by then, I might. They might. They might let me touch it. You that hold it, maybe. Nice. Maybe I might be able to hold the touch any. it. Probably hold it. I don't know. I don't know if they'll let me get any photographic proof of me near the any, but point being, god right. damn it, misdirected Mark needs to win the bloody any. So that's right. If you read this, see this, go out there and vote for a misdirected Mark. There's a couple other guys that are up for nominations that they say is a, they're shoe-ins. I'm not gonna say their names, but their podcast They don't need any more awards. That's the answer. Their podcast is not all about gaming. It's sometimes nope. about I don't know, Canadian politics. I know. It's like they talk about things. Right. Or stuff. It's like they get together and talk about stuff. Yeah. Misdirected (laughs) Mark, cast your vote. For a gaming podcast, Misdirected Mark, you heard it here. Vote. Push, push, push. Vote vote more. Vote often. That's right. Vote early, vote often. I heard Chris is out there kissing babies and shaking hands. Although they should probably have Bob do it. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, I think Bob's Bob's in charge of the uh, of the smooth talking. That's Bob, right? Yep. So make sure you cast the vote. You've heard it here. Absolutely, absolutely. Hear Tolkien read Lord of the Rings, Brett. I know. Did I you saw see this. that? 
Yeah, Jason the Beard Blaylock posted this one out to me. I put it out in in our community. This looks freaking awesome. Yeah. So if you want to hear the man himself read his own stuff, I don't know if I'd want to do it. Might ruin the illusion. It's like sitting too close at the apper, man. It might. Uh, And it's only like, there's only certain things that he reads. It's not like the whole trilogy. Yeah, that would be intense. Star Trek RPG using the Cypher system. So if you have a love of Star Trek role-playing games and the Cypher system, or you're looking at a system, and I, I like this blog post and how they did it because they did some rational thinking about why they chose the Cypher system to run Star Wars or Star Trek. Um, so because Star Trek is a unique sci-fi RPG, I think, uh, the Cypher system, in their opinion, seems to align well with with the way they want to run that. Double check. Check it out in the show notes. RPG A Day 2016 is coming around if it hasn't already started. If you're not familiar with RPG A Day, basically it's a internet meme that starts on... God, what day does it start? I'm checking, checking, checking... Uh, August 1st. August August 1st. August 1st it starts. So you got a little time to start prepping. There's 31 days, and each day you you post something. And it's I heard it's a little more difficult than it was. uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before it did it. So the first one, the first day you post is Real Dice, Dice App, Diceless. How do you prefer to roll? So that's kind of a softball one that gets a little harder after that. Like what makes for a good character is one of the questions. Yeah, like what is the best way to learn a new game? What is the most challenging but rewarding system you have learned? Stuff like that. Maybe we should incorporate this into the show, Brett. I'm looking at this going, these are show topics, baby. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right. And then, of course, we have four from listeners. Yes. Austin, friend of the show, and a hell of a good gamer. Plays with Sean and I, as I've mentioned his name a few times. Tabletop Gamer Motivation Profile. It's got a little survey action in there. Help us create a motivation profile tool for tabletop gamers. Use the responses of the survey. It takes about 5-10 minutes to create an online app that tabletop gamers can use to get personal reports of their gaming motivations. Looks kind of cool. Quantic Foundry's pulled this one together. Go out there and take a look. We also have <clears throat> excuse me, Shane Freeman points out an article on PBS.org about the Koi Wolf in New York City. I know that in um, that New York City has had coyotes. I know that they've had coyotes in Central Park, I've heard before. But the uh, it's the it's the the eastern coyotes, also often called the Koi Wolf. It talks about the um, prevalence of them within there and so forth. And when you run it, part of it's the old world of darkness in me, I guess is that in city situations, adding a bit of this type of thing in there just pulls that monster into the city a little bit. I think it's kind of cool. <clears throat> Kev Thulu, his first one, he's got two in here. Um, Life Behind the Stacks, the Secret Apartments of New York Libraries. Um, kind of cool. Take a look at this. Link in the notes again. Good stuff. I read. He pointed that out, and my first thought was, of course, Bookhounds of London, a uh, trailer Cthulhu setting. It just re- screams of that. And speaking of, again, Lovecraft and fun is the Facts in the Case of Mr. Hollow. It is a little film. It's out on uh, the YouTubes. Link in the show notes. I think you guys should take a look at it. It looks pretty freaking awesome. Thank you, Kevin, Austin, and Shane. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Otherwise, uh, that that wraps it up for this episode. It totally does of gaming and BS. Uh, which has been sponsored kindly by Gamehole Con, a tabletop gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin, this November. Uh, get your ass to Gamehole Con and visit GameholeCon.com for more info. We appreciate those guys sponsoring the show, putting our ad up in their program and on their website. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they're just great. It's a great, it's a great team to work with. And I said this before, but... Um, Cameron and Josh and those guys, they have fielded a ton of questions for me around uh, Evercon and how we can help make things better and get better organized and stuff. They're just all around good, good people. So I think we're going to have us, I think we're going to have a Saturday night social, Brett. Saturday night? Should we have a, a Saturday, idea. Saturday night social. We'll, uh, Saturday night. We're going to see if I can get some burr for everybody to drink and then we'll hang around Saturday night for everybody to meet each other. Make it, okay. make it, we'll be the white wolf party of game hole. Without maybe the craziness. <laughs> and, and the money and budget. <laughs> that, that too. That too. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, that's it. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. Brett, what are we uh, talking about next week? We're talking about imprisoning your player characters. Maybe your players as well. We'll see how it goes. Excellent. Again, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This show brought to you by patrons like Jeff Rademacher, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Old School DM, Forrest DeGary, Tony Baker, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Palladian, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, The Knights of the Night Crew, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Mirko Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, and James Carpio, not Caprio. Consider becoming a patron of the show at GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. For the small tithe of a coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Thank you. Stop recording.